Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. الحمد لله نحمد ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد إن شاء الله in today's سيرة I will summarize only today the the Meccan period of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم's life the reason is the last time when we where we stopped was the migration of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم and I I think it is a very good Start to go back and have a summary of whole life of Makkah because it is very relevant for today's time. Um, the time that we are going through, where uh, we hear all sorts of uh, injustices are happening across the world, whether Muslim or Muslim, it's not the issue of only Muslims. Uh, and we understand that uh, the main root cause of that is the absence of Islam in the lives of the people, even though. The media is continuously trying to portray as if Islam is the cause of it. It's actually completely opposite of that. It's the absence of Islam that is why we are seeing all the uh, the miseries that are going through uh, across the world. Now, when we look at the life of Rasulullah in Mecca, the reason it is very important to look back and uh, have a comprehensive view of that is because Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his life actually only one time he was success he successfully started implementing the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to reach to that point the steps that he undertook was in the life of the Makkah time So this is why it is very important for us to revisit this in the sense of so we have a comprehensive view, and uh, we understand that it has to when we talk about bringing Islam back in our lives, in the lives of the people as a whole, not just only individuals. Uh, the way we are ordered to do is to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's a command for us. When Allah subhanahu wa taala talks about that, and this is from the very first talk that we started off with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا And then this ayah continues on with, uh, with, with the part of the ayah that makes this an obligation that to when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا meaning that there are certainly been for you in the message of Allah an excellent pattern for anyone for anyone لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Now this part of the ayah actually makes this as an obligation because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is connecting this pattern to be followed with yawmul akhir so the ayah the meaning of the rest of the ayah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's, who, 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 whosoever anyone hope in, in Allah and the last day remembers Allah often okay so that part is an obligation for us to follow Rasulullah and we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said many many times in another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Hashr وَمَا أَتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُدُوا وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا that whatever Rasulullah gives you 
follow it, take it. And whatever he prohibits you or to, to uh, forbid you, abstain from it. So there, this is a clear command for us. And another place Allah Subhanahu that it is not fitting for a believing man or a woman to have, uh, if Allah and His Messenger decided the matter, to have any other say in it, any choice in those affairs. And whoever disobeyed Allah and His Messenger, certainly he is in the misguided path. Now, from there, we understand that this is. Uh, to follow Rasulullah is an obligation. This is why it is very important for us to study the seerah of Rasulullah with this understanding. When we are learning about the seerah, we are learning to how to act in our lives and what, uh, what we are supposed to do to, to achieve what Rasulullah was sent for. Now, when we look at the seerah of Rasulullah, one of the key things to remember is so we have to know why Rasulullah was sent to this world. What was his mission? You know, it is like this, that uh, uh, think of this way. If, if there's a builder, he has to build a house. Now to build a house, it takes a while. There's a lot of things that he has to do. But the end goal is he has to build a house. And while he's building the house, he has to have everything that takes to build a house, right? So, but while he's building the house, he is doing a lot of things. It's not that he doesn't have a life. He doesn't have family, for example, to live with. It, does, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have children or he, uh, while he's building the house, that's the only thing he does 24 seven. No, he is doing all other things in his life. He's living a life and he goes, he eats, he drinks, he, he lives with the family, he, he goes, use the bathroom, takes a shower and, and on and on and on. The whole thing goes on, the life goes on. But his main goal at that time is he wants to build a house. Objective. So objective is to build a house, right? So that has to be very clear. And if somebody asks, asks us that how did he build the house, we will come back and give the steps of building the house. We will not be explaining to him that he went to the bathroom or he was taking care of his family or he used to eat this day that food or another day something else. We talk about only the specific actions that he undertook to build the house. Yes. So same way, when we talk about Rasulullah we have to know first his objective, his mission. And when we are talking about that we want to fulfill the same mission, we have to know how to fulfill that mission. So when we read the Quran, we find out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly mentions many places. And last week when we were talking about even the purpose of the Quran, it was very clear from there as well when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ibrahim that Alif Lam Ra Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayka dulumat ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that that we have revealed this book to you, O Muhammad. So you will take the people out of the darkness into the light of Islam. So the, from take out, take out the people from the deviated path and take them to, towards Islam, towards the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the purpose of the book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Rasulullah And we find that within the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions his mission in three different places actually. When he says, 
ليظهروا على الدين كله that Allah subhanahu wa saying that, we, that he has sent his messenger with the deen of truth the deen of truth is Islam and the guidance for what? so this deen becomes victorious over all other ways of life this way of life from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how to live the life prevails over all other ways of life that's the mission of Rasulullah sallallahu and this mission in this statement, like this ayah, this ayah was, was repeated at three different places. Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about Surah Saf, and Surah, uh, Surah Fatha. So it is so important, Allah has repeated this three times. Now, so when we look at his life, we see in the Makkah time, he was also working, he was obviously working towards this mission. While he's working towards the mission, he was married. He had children. He had family. So he, he was living the life as well in Makkah while he is working towards that goal. So if we want to look at his life, we want to know what did he do for his mission. So we have to know the steps that he undertook for that, that specific mission. The way we talked about building the house. It's, it's, uh, from, as, a, as, a, as an example, it's not different. So Rasulullah was al-sadiq wal-ameen. Yes, he was truthful. Yes, he was honest. And he had the best characters. Among the human beings. So all those things have to be learned. But at the same time, we have to know what did he do to achieve the mission. Right? So when we look at Rasulullah's life, and that's what we went through uh, over uh, the past four months in the Sira sessions, we saw that uh, Rasulullah, when he became a prophet, uh, actually prior to become a prophet, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the way the life was. We talked about in the beginning that people were worshipping idols. Before Rasulullah became a prophet, the time he was born, people were worshipping idols. That was a state of uh, uh, the religion uh, at that time. There were some people who have left uh, idol worshipping. They adopted Christianity, some of them, or they, some of them were, uh, they, they left uh, uh, completely idol worshipping also. Uh, and like Muhammad sallam or even Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, they never worship idols or Zayd. Before Rasulullah became prophet, so they were not worshiping idols either. So, but in general, people were worshiping idols. That was about the religions at that time. Then we talked about the uh, socio-economic issues of the Meccan time uh, of the Mecca at that time, and uh, we find that there were, in general, they were living uh, a life of life in a jahiliya, in the darkness. That there are many strange kinds of. Uh, uh, a strange kind of a cultural things that they were performing. Whether it was a marriage, the kind of marriages they had, the kind of uh, the, the fights they used to have for minor things, and they would be fighting for decades. But at the same time, they also had some good attributes also. Things like uh, hospitality, or keeping the covenant, or they were pure and simple Bedouin life they were living. They have good ethics. So they, they have some good things even then at that time. And when Rasulullah was born, he was born during the year of uh, 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 the incident of the elephant that happened when Abraha tried to attack uh, the, the Kaaba and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Kaaba uh, and we talked about the story of, uh, uh, of the people of the elephant. And uh, this is the year Rasulullah uh, was born. So there was an incident that happened that was unexplained for the people at that time. They did not know how this happened. Yes, they, they, they knew that there was some help came, 
but they could not explain it because there was no messenger that could have given them the, the explanation of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Kaaba. So that's the year Rasulullah was born. And uh, before he became a prophet, so I'm, I'm obviously uh, shortening all the uh, stories that we have already discussed. Before he became a prophet, there were a couple of other very important incidents happened. One of them was, which is called Hilf uh, al-Fudul. Hilf al-Fudul is uh, something which is important even today as well. Because many times we hear this term, that Hilf al-Fudul or the, uh, this pact or the treaty uh, that happened between, uh, the, between the, the two tribes uh, of the uh, Banu Hashim uh, and Banu Abdul Muttalib. So representative of Banu Hashim, Banu Abdul Muttalib and Asad bin uh, Abdul Uzza. Uh, and and Taim bin Murrah, they are the one who called for, uh, to meet in the habitation of the honorable elderly man called Abdullah bin Jadam. So uh, this is uh, because there was there was one person who came from outside of the Mecca, and his rights were taken by one of the Meccans. And to give his rights back, this treaty was signed. And uh, about this treaty, Rasulullah he said, and this was right after he became a prophet, shortly after he had been honored with this uh, ministry of prophethood, witnessed this league and commented on it with very positive words. He said, I witnessed a confederacy in the house of Abdullah bin Jadam. It was more appealing to me than herds of cattle. Even now in Islam, I would respond positively to attending such a meeting if I were invited. So Rasulullah referred to this treaty, this pact, this confederacy as something that he would, in Islam, he would follow it if he has offered this one. Now, a couple of things to remember here. One, what was in it, in this Hilf uh, al-Fudul? Uh, it was, the, the, the pact was about uh, basically at the conclusion, when the speech was restored, people felt the need for forming confederacy at Makkah for what? For suppressing violence and injustice, one, and two, and vindicating the rights of the weak and the destitute. That was the main idea behind this whole uh, pact that was made. Now, Rasulullah when he said, if it is offered to him in Islam, he will follow it. So what is offered in Islam to him? Something which is already Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed it. It's no different than, think of that way. There are many actions from prior to Rasulullah became prophet that were going on and Rasulullah approved of an action and Rasulullah and Sahaba continue to do the action the same way. So here, it's not that there's something which is offered against Islam and Rasulullah said, I would have taken it just because it would help the people. That's not the case. The case is something it is within Islam offered to Rasulullah And this is beyond any doubt for all of us that we know Rasulullah never disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he never made compromise in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He followed his deen as is that was given to him. And there is no doubt about that, right? So this is important to remember that whenever we talk about him for Fudul inshallah. So uh, when Rasulullah uh, was 25 years old, he was married to Khadija anha, and she was 40 at that time. And uh, at the time of uh, uh, when Kaaba was rebuilt, before the Prophethood again, 
and uh, because there was a flood came and the Kaaba had to be rebuilt. And the Meccans, they were rebuilding the Kaaba. And while they were rebuilding, they made sure that the, all the money that was used for building the Kaaba has to be halal money. Even the Kuffar, the, the Quraysh, the one who were worshipping idols, they made sure the money used for building the Kaaba has to be from the halal money. They would not allow money from which is coming from riba at that time or gambling to be used for this purpose. They were so careful to the point that they ran out of the money to build the Kaaba, so they shortened the, the law, they, they, they did not build the whole Kaaba, the, the boundary that was defined, and they built it as a, as a square actually, kind of almost as a square. It was supposed to be longer, more rectangular. And even today, there's a boundary, is it still left the same way? Hatim. Hatim. So the, that's part of the Kaaba. Yeah. But the walls, because they ran out of money, they did not build the whole Kaaba uh, the way they were supposed to be. Okay? So that's important thing. I think we should also learn from that. That even the Kuffar were worried about it has to be used, it has to be built with the halal money. So we should never ever be thinking of building the, the masajid the house of Allah Azza wa Jal in any way but the halal way. Okay? Uh, then while they were building, for them, uh, the, the black stone, Hijrul Aswad, was very important for them. So they, uh, they made sure that uh, the, the, the kind of a fight broke out, who's going to put that uh, black stone back? And uh, so they, they, somebody said, okay, whoever comes to the haram the next morning first, he will be doing that. And Rasulullah was the one who came uh, first, and everybody was happy that he is the Sadiq Muhammad, and he's the right person for this job. But what he did was he put a, put a cloth on the, on the floor, uh, uh, and then he put the stone by his hand in the middle, and he asked uh, representatives of different tribes to come and hold it up. And when it was raised to the level where it's supposed to place, and Rasulullah placed the stone in its, in its position. So this way, everybody became part of this noble work, even at that time. Then, when Rasulullah reached the age of 40, uh, and he started going, visiting some time in seclusion, seclusion of his own. So he used to go to Ghar al-Hira. And uh, one, uh, one day when he was there, uh, Angel Jibreel came and uh, he asked him to read, recite. And Rasulullah was replying back to him that I am not the one who recites. I don't know how to recite. Two times he did that and third time he squeezed Rasulullah and he said again and released him. And then he recited and Rasulullah Angel Jibreel recited These five ayat of Surah Al-Alaq were revealed and Jibreel recited these ayat and Rasulullah repeated back uh, with him. Now, when these ayat were revealed, Rasulullah this is the first time he got the revelation, the wahi. Now, he was scared, he went back to Khadija radiallahu anha and explained to him about uh, what happened. And when he went there, he repeated these ayat and he was trembling with fear. At this stage, he came back to his wife and he said, cover me, zammiluni, zammiluni. Cover me, cover me. And they covered him until he restored security. He apprised Khadija of the incident of cave and added that uh, he was horrified. 
His wife tried to soothe him and reassure him, saying, Allah will never disgrace you. You unite your twin relations. You bear the burden of the weak. You help the poor and needy and you entertain the guests and endure hardship in the path of the truthfulness. So that was Khadija, his wife. Right away, she is comforting Rasulullah Now, she took Rasulullah to his cousin, her cousin, Waraqa bin Nawfal. And Waraqa, he has already left idol worshipping. And he became a Christian at that time. The reason she took Rasulullah to Waraqa, because Waraqa bin Nawfal was aware of the previous uh, books. So uh, he, was he was a priest. He became a priest, actually. Uh, but he, he left idol worshipping and he became a priest. And actually he used to write. He used to write, actually, uh, the, uh, the Injil. And uh, when uh, uh, she took him, the Rasulullah to Waraqa, Waraqa bin Nawfal, he, uh, when she, he told him the story, what happened, he recognized that what Rasulullah was talking about. His, his response to him was, uh, my cousin, listen to you. Uh, first, Khadija said to the uncle, uh, to cousin, my cousin, listen to your nephew. Waraqa said, oh nephew, oh my nephew, what did you see? Rasulullah told him what had, had happened to him. Waraqa replied, this is Namus. This is Namus, referring to Jibreel, alayhi uh, salam, that Allah sent to Moses. I wish I were younger. I wish I could live up to the time when your people were turned out, uh, turn you out. Rasulullah asked, will they drive me out? And Waraqa's answer was in affirmation. Anyone who came with, the, with something similar to what you have brought was, was treated with hostility. And if I should be alive till the day then, I will support you strongly. A few days later, Waraqa died and the revelation also subsided. Okay, so Waraqa bin Nawfal passed away after a few days this uh, incident. Now, after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, there was a gap of few few days for the revelation. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surah Al-Mudakhtar. And this ayah, Allah subhanahu in this, uh, these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Rasulullah to take this message to others now. Ya ayyuhal mudakhtar, qum fa'andir. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Mudathir and the Muzammil have the similar meaning. The one who covers. Because in the beginning Rasulullah was covering when the when, uh, verses were revealed. So uh, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Rasulullah that uh, now arise and warn and glorify your Rabb, your, uh, your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which means that now Rasulullah was ordered to go and uh, uh, do the da'wah of Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, in uh, Surah Al-Shu'ra also, that to go warn your ashira. Ashira is your uh, um, family member, the, the close ones. Go and warn them. Uh, and and this, is the, this is considered as the first uh, uh, first stage of the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the Mecca, where he is only going to his close relatives and the friends, and we find that the uh, the ones who came into the fold of Islam were his close friends or the friends of the friends or the, fr the friends of the family members or the close family members. That included 
Khadija radiyallahu anha, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ali bin Abi Talib, uh, and Abu Bakr Siddiq, uh, uh, Zubair bin Abram, and uh, uh, a few more. But uh, there's one incident I want to mention here because it's important to understand the, that when Rasulullah was appointed as a prophet, when only three people were Muslims, in Afif radiallahu he came for, uh, and he was talking to Abbas, the uncle of Rasulullah He came from outside of Mecca, talking to Abbas. Abbas was not a Muslim at that time, radiallahu And he, told, uh, he, uh, he saw there's a man came to, uh, in front of the Kaaba, and he started doing certain actions. There's another, a child came, and he stood next to him. And there's a woman came, uh, woman came, and she stood behind both of them, and they started doing the ruku'u and sujood, and he did not know what they were doing. So he asked, what are they doing, and who are they? So Abbas, who was not a Muslim, he said, the guy who is leading is my nephew, and he says he is the messenger of Allah. And the one next to him is Ali, who is also his nephew, and him and the, the woman is the wife. And these are the only three people who are the follower of this deen. There are only three people on the face of the earth who are the follower of this deen. Abbas knew this. Okay? And he also added that, and he says that the treasures of the Qaisar and the Kisra will be under his feet soon. Which is the Roman Empire and Persian Empire. Meaning they, he will be ruling over them. Or the, they will be under the rule of that, this, this deen. Now, Afif actually regretted later on that he wished that he would have accepted Islam that day, he would have been the fourth one. He accepted Islam way after, afterwards. He became a Muslim, alhamdulillah, but he did not accept. So he regretted at that time. He wished that he would have accepted Islam that time, he would have been the fourth uh, person to, to be a Muslim. Why am I bringing this up? The reason is, from the beginning, Rasulullah was clear why this, he was sent as a messenger. Waraqah bin Nawfal showed him the signs, and then Rasulullah was aware of it, that he is here to be the one who will make this deen supreme. Okay? Now, when he started calling his own family members, one of the famous incidents, which, uh, which is important to remember, Rasulullah called his uh, family members uh, or, or, or clan, like uh, he's, he went to Mount of the Safa, Mount of Safa, and he said, Ya Bani Fahr, Ya Bani Adi, uh, so they, they all gathered. He started calling these people, they gathered. And then he, uh, he asked them that if I tell you there's an army behind the mountain, would you believe me? And the response was, yes, you are al-sadiq, you are the truthful one, and we, we will believe in you. Upon which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that... Uh, uh, he warned them basically, and I'm, I'm looking for the exact wording what he said. Uh, so he said, I am warner to you in face of a terrific punishment. So he warned them about the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they do not uh, listen, to, uh, listen to him. Meaning he was calling them, he said, so, meaning that you believe in me, that what I am saying is, uh, is true. Upon which, 
Abu uh, Abu Lahab, one of the uncles of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said uh, uh, his response was, "Tabbalaka sa'il al-yom ali hada jamatana fa'afanazak." He said, "Perish your hands. Is this why you gathered us?" And then the, uh, uh, then the ayah fanazalat tabbat yada Abu Lahab. And then these, this ayah that Allah subhanahu wa mentioned that the Abu Lahab's hand will be perished. And talked about, uh, Allah subhanahu wa is talking about his destruction and he will go to hellfire and his wife will be along with him. So uh, this was in the beginning when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was calling the very close family members towards Islam. So this is one aspect of the da'wah that we can see that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was doing in the beginning phase of the Meccan time. So when we look for the, uh, the, the, the method, for example, to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should remember these steps that Rasulullah took. Calling his own friends, close uh, uh, relatives, and trying to make a group of people who's strong enough. And once that state reached, uh, and uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu uh, was commanded actually to now go openly. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the Surah Al-Hijr that says, فَصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَعَارِدًا الْمُشْرِكِينَ That go proclaim this deen now and separate yourselves from the polytheists and the mushrikeen. And uh, uh, from there on, the da'wah was not limited to his own close family members. Now Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam started going and proclaiming openly among the people. Look, when he was going to his own family member does not mean that people did not know that Rasulullah was calling for a, for a new, new way of life, new, uh, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. People were aware of it. But his da'wah was geared towards on an individual level still. And he was not going and talking about uh, things against clearly about the society. That society has to be changed. But this first that is the command to now go openly and proclaim, meaning now you are proclaiming against the societal norms. And this is where you fi- we find that Rasulullah and Sahaba they started seeing the hardships from the, the Meccans. It was no more that Rasulullah is calling for a, a religion and they were not uh, 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 doing anything bad towards them. But now, after this, when the da'wah went into the, into the mode where Rasulullah Sallallahu uh, was uh, calling in a way that he was also telling the ills of the society, like when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says, That you and what you worship, besides Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, they will become the fuel of the hellfire. Okay? So now uh, it, is, uh, it is a clear contradiction or uh, showing the contradictions in their religion. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions الَّذِينَ إِذَا اتَّالُوا عَلَى النَّاسِ يَسْتَوْفُونَ They're talking about the economic system that existed. That destruction for the people who are cheating in their scales. When they give, they give less. When they take, they take like a complete amount. Now, when these ayat were revealed, which were about the ills of society, 
these people started going against Rasulullah and Sahaba and we see different uh, uh, kind of uh, hardships and persecution the Sahaba went through and Rasulullah went through. So uh, we have already discussed that. Uh, we're not going to go in the detail of all the hardships that they went through. But during this time, Rasulullah continued to take the Sahaba into Darul Arkham and Arkham, and over there he used to culture them, teach them about Islam, and teach them all the Quran that was revealed to him, all the Wahi that was revealed to Rasulullah and he was continuously preparing the Sahaba for uh, uh, with the knowledge Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given to him. Now. During these times, uh, the, some of the Sahaba, they could not take the hardship and they ended up migrating to, uh, to Habasha. The first migration happened and uh, after the first migration, uh, when Surah Nadim was, was reciting in Mecca and uh, when he was reciting, uh, the, when, they, when they got to the ayah of the Sajda, Rasulullah got to the ayah of Sajda, the Mushrikeen, when they were listening to the Quran, they, uh, they also unintentionally bowed down and made the sajda. Because of that, there was a rumor started that the Meccans had become Muslim. And uh, it got to the people in Habasha and they thought of, they heard of this rumor and they came back. They came back and when they were on the way, they realized this was a rumor. So some of them snuck in and others, they returned back to the Habasha. But after a while, uh, uh, the, the hardship continued on and the second migration of Habasha also happened. Uh, then we talked about uh, uh, Jafar ibn Abi Talib, how he responded to uh, the delegation that came from Mecca and uh, the, the king of Habasha, the Jashi, the, he summoned them and how he, he clearly explained to him whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Rasulullah he did not change anything just to protect himself or uh, buy some time for himself. He did not make any compromise and he was very clear. Anyways, uh, listening to all that, uh, uh, Najashi continued to protect the Sahaba who were there and he allowed them to stay in Habasha. But after six years of the Hijrah or the Nabuwa, uh, and, uh, two main events happened because of which they strengthened the Islam. Uh, which was the conversion of Hamza radiallahu an. he came into the folds of Islam and Umar bin Khattab both of the Sahaba they came into folds of Islam back to back like within three years three, three days apart and when Umar became a Muslim after that uh, Muslims they felt some strength and they started going to Kaaba even and openly they started praying which year was this? This was, uh, I believe, sixth year. Um, now, Rasulullah and Sahaba, they continued the da'wah, but uh, there was a lot of, still the hardships were happening. And then uh, 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 they actually attempted, the kuffar of the Mecca, they attempted to... One of the famous du'as of Muhammad about Umar? About Umar. Yes. So the du'a of was, Allahumma aizza al-Islam, and they say, The version that I was going to say was They're different uh, Yeah, And this one to say like this So either way, one says Umarain 
because the name of Abu, Abu Jahl was Amr ibn Hisham, which is another version of uh, Umar. So he was Amr and Umar ibn Khattab. Rasulullah made a dua like, so make one of them the one you love more. Okay? And the version that I am referring to, uh, that talks about like this, فَكَانَ أَحَبُّهُمَا إِلَى اللَّهِ Umar ibn Khattab. So to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Umar ibn Khattab was the more beloved one. And he became, and Rasulullah called him Al-Faruq. Al-Faruq, because he is the one became the real uh, clear differentiator between the haq and the bottom. Umar ibn Khattab, his personality actually, that's a whole sira of his own, uh, inshallah. Uh, Abu Jahl was not a warrior like Umar, right? I mean, he was just like the statue of Abu Jahl was... Actually, Abu Jahl was, uh, used to be referred as Abu al-Hakam. He yes. was referred as the wise one. Yeah. Okay, among the kuffar, among the Meccans, he was the wise one. Okay, but it's Rasulullah who called him Abu Jahl. Because we have to understand, sometimes we, uh, the way the society is set up today as well, we think of all the time that the wise ones are the ones who can make them more wealth. Wise ones are the ones who, uh, who are doctors or scientists or this or that. Not the one who can understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. Businessman. Yeah? Everything is revolving around capital because of capitalism. Yeah? The, Why do they call Abu Jahl? Because that's the opposite of Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl usually the name of the son names if Abu no, no, no. Abu Sufyan Abu means Abu. Dhabi. There's two ways Abu of putting. So that means he is a son of Talib. No, no. So here this this is this way. Yes. There are two ways of doing it. There's one is the kunya. For example, I will be referred as Abu. I'll be referred as Abu Amr. Abu Jahl. So no, there are two ways of doing it. One is by the kunya. You go by the elder son, or it could be by your attribute, your characteristics as well. It's. Abu Abu is like I can call you right now. Mm. Abu Taqiyah. Yes. Abu Taqiyah meaning the one with the Kufi. With the Kufi. Kufi. But that's not Kufi though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's Kufi. Yeah. <laughs> so meaning yeah. meaning the one with. Yes. With. Oh. So Abu Jahl, the one with Jahl. Oh. Yeah. There is there is some literally, also, literally meaning of you know because. Uh, the Arabic, uh, or Arabic, uh, Arabic uh, you know, language is so, you know, so vast. So, as we talked about it before, remember before when Rasulullah called Abu Huraira? He was called Abu Huraira because he used to have small kittens hidden in his sleeves. Uh, Ali bin Abi Talib, once he had some argument with Fatima anha, and he was sleeping in the masjid with the dirt on his face. So, Rasulullah called him Abu Turab. Doesn't mean he's a self, he's the father of a Turab. He was the one with the Turab. Oh. Or the one with the kittens. Okay. Or the one with Abu yeah, Jahl. One with the Jahiliya. It's a double meaning, yeah. Yes, it's the title. Now, in this case, it's the title. Okay. Title with, because of that. Remember, uh, any, inshallah. Uh, Ibn, you know, Abu and Ibn, there is a difference. Ibn, is, Ibn means son. Ibn means son. Uh, son of. Abu Talib means, you know. You know, father, of father of Talib. If you want to call that way, but Abu Talib was the name. Oh. Sometimes it could be named. Okay, also. I understand. Yeah. Abu Bakr, like. like Abu Bakr was the name. Yeah. Well, actually, it was not a name. Abu Bakr was also a, a title. Oh. Uh, it's because of he was a he, he was a, he had the able like a camel. 
Uh, oh. Because of that, also he was referred as Abu Bakr. But there's, there's a title. There's actually a difference of opinion about his real name. If you go back uh, and read so about there are three things: Ibn bin Abu. Yes. Two are different. Son. Son of. Son of. It's a in Arabic. Think of this way, right? Um, son of. It's, a, it's, father it's, of. it's called It's so Son of, father of, or daughter of, things like that. This is like a, uh, it's just an Arabic way of okay. saying the things. It's, it's not a problem. Okay, uh, let me just quickly, inshallah, go over the rest of it. So Rasulullah, while he was calling for the da'wah, uh, they were going through different kinds of hardship to a point. Kuffar were trying their best to stop this da'wah. Okay, because they saw this as a threat. For, for their way of life and the way, especially the ones who were in power over there in Mecca. Not every, every individual, but the one who were in power. Now, they, uh, uh, they got to the point where to stop this hour, they could not stop Rasulullah and Sahaba. So they did the boycott of Rasulullah basically uh, uh, Abita- uh, the, the tribe of Abi Talib and uh, 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 Abdul Muttalib. Both those tribes were actually uh, were put into Sha'ib Abi Talib, which was a valley, and they were boycotted. They were uh, told all the people were commanded not to have any kind of a dealing with all those people. They were included actually the Muslims and even non-Muslims that existed in the family, except one person. Except one person, because that person. He did not take the side of Abu Talib, okay? And uh, Abu Talib is the one who was protecting Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that person was Abu Lahab. So Abu Lahab is the only one who stayed out of the family. The rest of the family was sanctioned because of the call Rasulullah was was calling for, and that's one of the things about the the Arab even at that time was, which was uh, when it comes to protecting your tribal men and the women. Whether they're right or wrong, they would protect them. As uh, we talked about that, that they had a saying, which was which became us the hadith of Rasulullah in a different meaning. Though they used to say, "Un surakhaka in a literal sense, meaning support your brother, whether he is a tyrant, oppressor, or the oppressed. But in literal terms, a culture. literal terms, literal terms is what? If he is an oppressor, still go help him because he's your uh, brother. And if he is uh, oppressed, of course you go help him and protect him, defend him. When Rasulullah said the very same words about that help your brother, whether he's an oppressor or oppressed, Sahaba asked, we understand that how to help the oppressed one. What about the oppressor? How do you help the oppressor? Rasulullah said, hold his hand. Stop him doing the dhum. That's part of helping. See, see the difference between before Islam and after Islam. So before Islam, they were even non-Muslims. But they still stayed with Rasulullah and they were supporting him for uh, just to protect him. After this uh, three years of uh, boycott completed, um, uh, Rasul, uh, when they came out, the whole story is that there were actually five of the non-Muslims, uh, but they were family members. They're the one who helped this treaty to be dissolved. And uh, when they came out, 
the one of the protector of Rasulullah was Abu Talib uh, in a physical manner, and the, from the wealth and from, um, uh, from 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 the emotional way, his wife Khadija Radhiyallahu was a big supporter. Both of them passed away like after a few months after they came out of the uh, of this boycott, which was the tenth year of the uh, tenth or eleventh year of the, the prophethood, and. Uh, <clears throat> When they uh, when they passed 13, away, thirteenth year. Now, thirteen. No, no, tenth. Thirteen. That's the hijra. Uh, so immediately after that, they. No, they there's died. a there's three years. They're still there. Yeah. So now, when Abu Talib and uh, they died, <coughs> I want to just mention one thing though. Prior to that, they approached Abu Talib uh, and Rasulullah with different offers to compromise. One was like this: that you worship our God for one year, we worship your God for one year. Let's not talk about what you're doing. One was okay. Uh, you, we will make you the ruler, but stop saying what you were saying, right? And and the third one was they said if you want to be one of women, we'll get you the best women for you. If you want wealth, we'll make you the richest one. If you think you are sick or something, we'll get you the best cure for you. If you want to be ruler, we'll make you ruler. But stop saying that this message that you're talking about. <clears throat> and also Allah Sallallahu did not accept any of these compromises. And after this. Uh, the, the, the passing away of Abu Talib and Khadija which the year is called Amal Huzan or the year of the grief uh, Rasulullah was commanded to go and take this message openly to the rest of the uh, outside the Mecca as well and we find Rasulullah went to different tribes that includes uh, uh, a Ta'if uh, that includes uh, Amr bin Sasa Banu Shayban uh, Banu Hanifa uh, and many other tribes that Rasulullah approached and he wanted them to become Muslim and support him to enter into uh, to, 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 to let him implement Islam now none of them accepted Rasulullah's offer some of them tried to give him some, ask him to compromise like Banu Amr bin Sasa they said after you die the ruling should belong to our family and Rasulullah said, ruling belongs to Allah, he gives to whoever he wishes. But Nushayban said that, yes, we will support you, we'll support you from every angle, every end, but the uh, Persians, because we have some treaty with them. And Rasulullah did not accept that either. And this is going on, This all this happened during the time, they were going through a lot of different difficult, uh, difficult times. And Rasulullah, they even tried to assassinate Rasulullah multiple times as well. But still, Rasulullah did not make any compromise until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought some help from Medina. First, 11th year of the prophethood, uh, six people came and they became Muslim. They met Rasulullah during the time of the Hajj and they became Muslim. Next year, 12 people came and those 12 were Muslim. That included the five from previous year and seven new ones from us and Khazraj. And they became, they were Muslim and they gave the bayah to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that bayah was for uh, basic things and it had nothing to do of directly protecting Rasulullah Sallallahu in a way that they would fight for Rasulullah Sallallahu or anything. After when these two twelve came, Rasulullah Sallallahu he sent Mus'ab ibn Umayr as the first Sufir or the envoy for the Muslims and he did the da'wah over there and the time when Usaid ibn Hudayr and Sa'ar ibn Mu'adh they became Muslim and the, the 
big number of people of Medina, they entered the folds of Islam, and there was not a single house left where there was at least one person who was taking the name of Islam. Uh, and it was in, uh, So at that time, Musa ibn Umar, uh, he came back with 75 people from Medina. That's the second pledge that was given to Rasulullah, the second ba'ah. And this ba'atul aqbat al-thani is also called ba'atul hal. Because this is the ba'ah, the oath of allegiance that was pledged, was given to Rasulullah by these Muslims, included that they will protect Rasulullah as they protect their wife, women and the children. Okay, and they understood what that bear means that they are maybe everybody else, all the Arabs will be will go against them, but they will continue to protect only with one, uh, one thing that they asked for what are we going to get in return? And Rasulullah said, Jannah. And they understood that that is a beneficial, the very, be- very beneficial kind of a deal that they have made. So, this is the, uh, the Meccan period we can see the steps that Rasulullah took for this specific cause because after that Rasulullah ordered the Sahaba to start migrating to Medina and then Rasulullah migrated to Medina with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and over there after the migration he established the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he established the state over there implementing the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so these are the steps are very clearly can be seen in any Sirah book by the way it's not that I have to show to explain it to you like this. They are there. Even if you just open a Sira book and open look at the table of content, you will see these phases mentioned like that. The only thing is we have to correlate this to today's time. The comparison is this: the whole Mecca time was same as today's time because people were not ruled by Islam. Today we are in the exact same state. Yes, people are Muslims, this is true. But when it comes to the society, society is the same way. Whether you go to a Muslim majority land or here, anywhere you go, you find that the people are ruled by other than what Allah has revealed. So because of that, this Meccan life is very important to study in that fashion that we understand that there is a methodology in there, in that life that has to be followed so we can bring Islam back as we are commanded to. This is not a suggestion or recommendation for us. This is a command for us for us to live by Islam. That's the only way the man, human being, mankind can really see the justice. Because it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the, the true mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent you Rasulullah except the mercy. This is the mercy that Allah is the only one who can provide us. So we're going to stop here, inshallah, and next week we'll uh, continue from uh, uh, after the, uh, the migration time. Uh, Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.